Ranyavamos Nenbeis Amaral 52A1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. The Gemara now is continuing on in explaining the Mishnah. On this stuff, there'll be some interesting uh, side topics and side discussions as we continue through the fifth parak, through the fifth chapter, and we will be concluding the fifth chapter in next week's daf. So, we mentioned that the Mishnah starts off with a machlokas, a dispute between Rabbi Gamliel and the Chachamim, about whether or not we say yesh get achar get or yesh maimer achar maimer. Essentially, without getting into too many details, the case was, let's say, where you have Reuven, who's the brother-in-law, and there are two co-wives, who are the sisters-in-law, Rachel and Leah, and a person gives a get, a rabbinic form of the chalitza, or uh, does maimer, a rabbinic form of the yibam, to both, to both Rachel and to Leah, there's a dispute whether or not the second time has halachic significance or not. And so the Gemara asks that the Mishnah, the very next line in the Mishnah asks Ketzad, <coughs> excuse me, and that's a very different case. The case that the Mishnah discusses right thereafter is a very different case. It's not where you have two sisters-in-law. The case over there is just between Reuven and Rachel. There's only Reuven and Rachel. And it discusses just what happens when Ruvain gives a get, does mimer to Rachel, and then does something else. So it's a very different case. So the Gemara just has a technical question. Hi, get achar get who is this really? How is it connected to what the Chachamim and Rabbi Gamliel were arguing about, which is a totally different case? So the Gemara clarifies. Amar of Yehuda Hachikam, Amar of Yehuda explains this is what the Mishnah meant to say. Get achar get umaymer achar mimer kedah amra. And the whole dispute between Rabbi Gamliel and the Chachamim that we discussed in last week's recording. That's the first part of the Mishnah. But now there's a new part. Now there's a new part of the Mishnah. What happens if... It's not as complicated where we have two sisters-in-law and you do get to both or Mimer to both. You just have one. There's only Reuven and Rachel. That's it. And he does Mimer first. And then he gives a get. So what's what are the laws? What are the different laws when it comes to removing this type of an attachment? Uh, between Rachel and Ruvain. Okay, that was just a technical point. The Gemara now continues with one of those cases. Again, so now you have Ruvain and Rachel, just Ruvain and Rachel. And the Mishnah says, awesome Maimer, Ubaal that if a person does Maimer, a rabbinic form of the Yibam, which is essentially any other type of, uh, what would be in a regular case, a type of a halachic engagement, so let's say by Kesef with money, what we do today is a ring, uh, or with a star, with a document, a marriage document. And then afterwards you have Bia, which is, you do Yibam, which is actually in a in the context outside of Yibam, that would also be a third type of way of becoming halakhically engaged through having marital relations. So, but the Mishnah says that if you first do Maimar, which is either through the giving of a ring or through a marriage document, and then afterwards you have marital relations, Harezu ki mitzvah. So this is in accordance with the mitzvah. The Gemara says, This Mishnah seems to fit with the opinion of Ravuna, which we'll get to in more detail in a few minutes. The Amr Ravuna, Ravuna says, Mitzvah Yevama Mekadish Vachekach Boel. Ravuna says that the Mitzvah, the ideal way to perform Yivam, is first to do Kiddushin, is to first do Maimar, either through giving of a ring or of a marriage document, then only afterwards to do Yivam. That's in fact the ideal, even though on a biblical level, we say that it's better to, or at least on the biblical level, all that is necessary is just that matter relations, comes along Ravuna and says that no, 
you, uh, at least on a rabbinic level, it's best to first do a kiddushin, to first give a ring, let's say, and then to have marital relations. We'll get to the, to the reason behind this in the Gemara in a few lines. Uh, but just to add to this, before we see the entire Gemara, uh, the reason behind this seems to be, there's a big discussion in the Rishonim why this is true, why this is necessary to do Kiddushin first, uh, but there could be, there could be different reasons that are, uh, that are given. One reason is because, uh, in general, in order to do Yibam, we need witnesses to, to, to see what's happening, to see that the Yibam is actually taking place. And it's improper to have the witnesses see the act of marital relations. That's, that's not proper. And so therefore, better that the Edim, that the witnesses, they first see the Kiddushin, that they see the actual Kiddushin, they see the giving of the ring, and that would suffice. As that's what some want to say. Others say that no, it's really connected to a broader idea. In general, we say that even though the Torah says all you need for Kiddushin, for halachic engagement, forget about Yibam, just for a person to become halachically engaged. There's three ways. One is by marriage relations, one is by giving a ring, and one is by the, the marriage document. However, that's true on a biblical level. On a rabbinic level, we say that it's improper to begin your engagement by having marital relations. That's something which is improper, and so therefore you shouldn't do that, which is a very fascinating idea. It means that on a biblical level, we say that technically it's allowed, but the rabbis say that we shouldn't do it on a practical level. What exactly is going on there? So it's an interesting idea that from a Torah's perspective, fundamentally, it's permissible. Fundamentally, it's permissible it's an act which reflects an engagement through the act of having marital relations. It's true on a fundamental level. However, the rabbis come along and say that on a practical level, looking at it from a different angle, from a different angle, from a practical level, it's preachistic, it's improper to begin the engagement uh, through having marital relations. It's not, that's, not, uh, that's not ideal. Um, and so maybe the same thing is true with Yibam. Even though Yibam, the actual mitzvah Yibam, is to have marital relations, but maybe Rav Huna is coming along and saying, but you should first have some sort of other type of a relationship or uh, show that there's a different type of relationship by first giving a ring, uh, perhaps, or by giving a marriage document. So that is the alternative. We find this elsewhere as such a concept. The Torah allows somebody to marry two, uh, a man is allowed to marry two women by the Torah, by Torah law. However, uh, there's a Takana de Rabbeinu Gershom, uh, the, the, uh, the rabbi has said that, no, it's, you're not allowed to marry two women. So it could be that it's trying to reflect a certain relationship between the husband and the wife to say that it is permissible on a fundamental level from the Torah's perspective, it is permissible to, to marry two women with regards to how to understand the, uh, the roles and the purpose of marriage. However, uh, the Chachamim, they say that it's improper. It's improper to, from a, from a, from a different angle, it's, it's improper to... Uh, be married to two women. And so therefore, even though from a Torah perspective, from one angle, it might reflect something about a marriage, but from a different perspective, it's something which is improper. So we have this in in different uh, scenarios. Anyway, so the Gemara wants to say that maybe the fact that the Mishnah says, Harezu kimitzvasa, this is the proper way to do it, by first giving a ring and then having marital relations. This is like Ravuna. The Gemara says, no, maybe the Mishnah is really not saying that this is the way to do it, but it's saying this is one of the ways, you could just do Yibam, just have marital relations, or you could also do Mimer and then Yibam. But the Gemara says, Pshita. The Gemara says, it's obvious. What, you, what, what, what would have I thought? Why would I think that I don't fulfill the mitzvah by doing Mimer first? Why would I think that that's a problem? So the Gemara says, a very interesting language. 
No, I would have thought that maybe as follows. If I did mimer first, if I did a kiddushin, a halachic engagement first, which is what, not something which is necessary for Yibam, I might have thought that maybe what I'm doing is that I'm showing that I don't, there's really two different tracks. There's the Yibam track of how to get married to your sister-in-law. That is the Yibam track. And then there's also the kiddushin track, the normal track of how to get a halachic engagement, which is through the, through the ring or through a marriage document. And one might have thought that if I give a ring, I'm trying to say, you know what? I'm not doing yibum. This is an act to show that I'm not really doing yibum. I'm not doing, this is a different track. It's not the track of yibum. This is the track of just a regular halakhic engagement like to anybody else. And so therefore, maybe I've totally uprooted the whole concept of yibum by going in that track. That's what one, one might have thought if I did mimer first. So Kamash Malan, the mission is coming to teach us not that we need mimer first like Rufuna, but that it still works. If you did mimer first, if you did this halakhic engagement first, no, we don't view it as though it's a different track and now you, you, you can't do Yibam. No. It's, it's all leading up to Yibam and it's perfect and it's fine. It's not a problem. That's the purpose of the Mishnah. The Gemara now discusses Rav Huna's opinion. Gufa. Amar Rav Huna. Rav Huna says, Mitzvah Yibam Mekadesh Ba'achikach Boel. He says two statements. Statement number one is that first of all, the ideal form, the best way to do it is first to do Maimur. The halachic engagement through a ring or through a marriage document, and then to have bia, and then to have um, do the actual mitzvah of yibum, which is through having marital relations. That's the best way of doing it. Statement number two, and we explained why earlier. Statement number two is vimbavas amaymar kana. But if you flip the order, says the Gemara, says Ravuna, if you flip the order, if you first do bia, you first have do yibum, the marital relations, and then afterwards you give a ring. It also works. So where it says, what do you mean it also works? What's the problem? Why would I think it doesn't work? I did Bia. I had marital relations. I did what the Torah told me to do. Afterwards, I give a ring. How could that make it worse? So the Gemara says, you know what? It's not going to make it worse. You're right. It's not going to make it worse. But what happens maybe if... Uh, I would have thought that maybe this is different if I have Bia, if... Uh, the purpose is that Ravun is telling me that if I be, if all I have is marital relations, but I don't even give a ring, I don't even have a halachic engagement. It's not even, it's not found at all, this halachic engagement of giving a ring. All I do is have bia, is have marital relations, so then, and that's it, to signify this new marriage, so then I would have thought that that might not work. Uh, comes Ravuna to tell us, you know what, it does work, it really does work. So the Gemara then asks, Fahatanya loka. But the Brisa says, as the Brisa says, that a person gets malkos, a person gets lashes by just having bia. This is the case of Yibam, Rachel and Ruvain, Rachel, their sisters-in-law and brother-in-law. If they only perform the act that the Torah tells us to do of having marital relations without a ring or without a marriage document, so then the Brisa says that you get malkos, you get lashes. And Rashi explains that this at this stage of the Gemara, before the answer, we think that this is lashes from the Torah. This is a prohibition from the Torah, which is very strange because the Torah says this is what you have to do. So the Mark explains, it doesn't mean from the Torah. Makas mardis banan. A very interesting principle that says that, no, it's not from the Torah. The rabbis instituted that such a scenario is deserving of Malkas, is deserving of Lashes. Certainly it works, like Rav Huna said. If all you do is have marital relations through the act of Yibam, that's what the Torah told us to do. It works. However, on a rabbinic level, the rabbi said that you're allowed to that he's deserving, that they're deserving of getting lashes because 
it's not proper. It's not proper to create and begin a relationship in such a way, like what we explained earlier, through purely just the act of having uh, of having relations. Just parenthetically, uh, some note that uh, there's a there's a custom that um, the chassan and kala, the bride and the groom, that they fast on the day before their wedding, the day of their wedding, the day of their wedding, they fast right before their wedding, they fast. And some explain because they're trying to highlight and to show that even though tonight is the night where uh, they're able to become married and physically intimate. Uh, but there's a lot of different aspects. Not ignoring that aspect. It's a very important aspect of the marriage, but it's not everything. It's not the it's not the entire part of the relationship. It's an essential part of the relationship, but there's a lot of different facets of the relationship. And so a person abstains from food, from from the physical, uh, right before right before their wedding. So some want to want to explain that, which fits with with. This idea of Rav Huna, that the first beginning act of their halachic relationship shouldn't be through bia. There shouldn't be through the act of, of having relations. And he would go so far as to give them malchus, to give them lashes. Now, this idea of giving lashes, uh, some commentators explain that this is the right that the rabbis have for in every single generation. They have this right in every generation to punish uh, those that are acting improperly, even if the Torah doesn't say that this is improper. But if they feel that it's something which is improper, they have the ability to act upon it and uh, to give them lashes. Discussion whether this is the same type of lashes that the Torah is referring to, but in the end of the day, they have this ability. So now, once we go on that topic, the Gemara now gives a list of Rav. Rav was an Amora. Rav was from the time of the Gemara and gives a list of different things that he would give lashes for. A very interesting list. The Rav Menagid, Rav gave lashes for the following cases. Man, the Mekadish would be a person who, forget about Yibam, but if just a regular engagement, they, they get engaged by having marital relations. The Torah says it's allowed, but Rav said, no, you get lashes for this because it, it is pretestic. It's improper to do this. First, have, give a ring, and then after you're fully married, so then you can have relations. Another case is Man, the Mekadish a person who gets married just they just get married in the marketplace. They just go ahead and they throw uh, a few coins to somebody else and say, oh, we're married. The other person says, okay. So it's improper. It's improper to do that. That's just, uh, it's in the marketplace. It's not uh, It's not in the proper setting to get married. It's just uh, on the street that they get married. So he also gives lashes for that. Or somebody who gets engaged uh, without, without the agreement beforehand to get married, without uh, having that, Formative agreement. Other cases that he would give lashes, mandem avatal gito, mandem masr moda, gito, different cases where a person uh, decides to give a divorce document to his wife and then he nullifies it, he, he backs out of it, um, or he serves a notice that it, the get is being written against his will. Basically, he's doing different things that in the end of the day, maybe the get can't be used, the divorce document can't be used, but pe- not everybody will know about it. And so people, and maybe the messenger will in the end give the divorce document uh, but really, she, sh- she shouldn't be divorced. It creates a very complicated situation. And so therefore, he would give lashes for that. Another case is, Man de Pakir Shlucha Somebody who, let's say there's a messenger from the Beisden, from the court that says that, that such a person has to appear in court. And a person doesn't act properly to the messenger. Uh, belittles the messenger, doesn't, doesn't act properly to the messenger. They also get lashes. You have to stand up for these people who are uh, serving the court and acting on behalf of the court to get people to come to court. Somebody who was excommunicated because they weren't appearing, they didn't deal with something properly, and they still don't appear in court, they would also give them lashes because they're not appearing in court. And then finally, the last on this list, 
Also an interesting case is Va'achasana Dedar Bebechamohi. A case where we say that a, a, uh, a son-in-law, uh, they shouldn't live in the house of his father-in-law. They shouldn't live in the house of his father-in-law. And the basic reason is because we are concerned that uh, an improper relationship will develop between the son-in-law and the mother-in-law. Although there are different exceptions to this rule, uh, one opinion says that if there are separate rooms, that's only if they're all in one room and they sleep all in one room, different houses back then, uh, but if they're in separate rooms, so then it's not a problem. Alternatively, Tosos explains that if the reason why, they're, why the, the family is moving into the in-laws is because they need to save on rent. They're doing it for the purposes of saving on rent. There's a practical reason. It's not just so that we're one big happy family, but it's uh, and there should be one big happy family, but if the reason is because they want to save on rent, there's a practical, a very practical reason involved, so then it is allowed. Um, so it's only if you don't have any practical reason, uh, so then we say that this is something which is improper. So the Gemara, just on this last point, says, the dar in the flow, it's only if they actually live there for a significant amount of time, but if they're just passing through, then it's allowed, it's passing through, a son-in-law could stay at his in-law's house. Is that true? Vahud the but there was a case where there was some groom uh, who actually did pass through and stayed at his father-in-law's house and and Rav Sheshis gave him lashes. The Gemara answers, no, who made them hava No, that was a case where they were already suspect. In general, it's not a problem. If you're just staying for a short amount of time, it's not a problem. Our real concern is when it's for a long amount of time. That happened to be a case where they were already suspicion of something happening between the son-in-law and the mother-in-law. Uh, so then it's then it's improper for the, for him to stay over for the night. The Gemara quotes another opinion, Nardai. Nardai Omri, Bekula Lomenagid Rav. Rav did not give lashes. It's not true. He did not give lashes in all of these cases. It's not true. The only a uh, few cases. Ella, Lomekaj, Rabia, Beloshiduchi. Two cases. One case is when a person gets engaged through marital relations, which is improper. Get engaged with giving of a ring. Doesn't have to be your first halachic uh, act of, of, a, of a relationship. And the second one is Beloshiduchi. If a person gets engaged without the initial uh, agreement to, to get married. Um, and in the first case, it was it's really both together. It's a, in the case of both having uh, getting engaged through, uh, through marital relations, and they didn't even have come up to an agreement uh, in the beginning. And then there are those who say that, no, even if they had an agreement to get married, but still... They're getting engaged uh, through the act of marital relations. That's also improper mission pritusa. That's also improper uh, to do. Even if you already had an agreement to get married, it's still improper to do the kiddushin, to have the halachic engagement through the act of bia, through the act of having marital relations. And that is uh, that is the list. So we will conclude and we'll continue. We finished uh, that topic and we'll continue with a new topic in the next recording.